Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris, and is anybody having a good time in church so far? Across all of our campuses, yes? I am too. I just want to say a couple things uh, to begin. I want to say, number one, happy Lenten journey to you. Do you know the season of Lent that the church all around the world recognizes? Every country, there's churches in every country across the earth that are setting aside the next six weeks on the way to Easter. Come on, six weeks will be at 60 degree weather, somebody. Won't that be good? Yeah? All right, that's what I'm saying. But we have six weeks where we set aside this time. We all look into the life of Jesus. And over the last number of years, many years that I've been celebrating this, I have noticed that wonderful things happen in people's lives. When they draw near to God, God draws near to them. When we lean in a little bit, miracles happen. I've seen people's faith come alive and go to the next level in these next six weeks. I want to say happy Lenten journey to you. I'm glad to be on the journey with you. Number two, I want to tell you, it's just our, simple, our normal thing. It's just uh, we're going to have our tithes and offerings. Church, thank you for living generously. Because you live generously, it allows us to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus all around the metro and all around the nation and really the world. One of the greatest ways we do that is through a ministry of Hosanna called Heart. Heart is the outreach arm of Hosanna. Wherever there's a need, they go to fill it. Whether somebody needs food, whether they need school supplies, whether they need windows or whether they need, they need flooring, Heart is there. And Heart has helped, get this, over 12,000 people last year alone. That's like 35 people every day. Another 35, another 35. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it happens through all of our campuses, the heart ministry, not only just here locally, but even things nationally. Like, um, do you remember the tornadoes that happened in the summer uh, in Kentucky? They sent teams to help there in semi-truckloads full of things to give. Last week, I heard that even there's some people that are, that are coming from Afghanistan, from the war-torn country of Afghanistan. They're moving to Minnesota. And guess who's going to help them find, make sure they have what they need to settle here? Heart ministry. I'm grateful that heart ministry is out of Hosanna, and your giving makes it possible. So thank you for giving, church. We make it easy around here. You can give at the boxes in the back if you're live with us, or you can give online. You can give through our app. There's a lot of different ways we can do it. Keep giving, church. Way to go. Um, what I get to do now is we get to open God's word together. You know that we are in a series called The Bigger Story, which from January all the way through this year, we are opening the Bible and we're saying, what is the story of the Bible? What's a higher view? What's going on here? What's the bigger story that we can then live into? And for the next six weeks, we get to kick off this portion called Fulfilled, where we get to look at the life of Jesus. It's gonna be good. Don't we all wanna be fulfilled? I mean, just when you think about that word, don't we wanna be fulfilled in our lives? I mean, even in some ways, our whole lives are just kind of a story of trying to be fulfilled. I mean, we try to, maybe you're like me, and you try to define fulfillment in the stuff at one point in your life. Whether it's the car, whether it's the house, or whether it's the whatever it is, we try to find fulfillment. You get that, and it's nice, but it's not fulfilling. How about the relationship? I mean, relationships are wonderful, and it seems like we try to find fulfillment sometimes in the relationships that we have or don't have. You know what I'm saying? But even though relationships are wonderful, 
they're not necessarily totally fulfilling. How about this? How about this? Uh, even like the way that we look or present ourselves, we try to find fulfillment in, in the way that we, we can look and dress and even through our hair. Has anybody tried to find fulfillment in the mullet? Huh? How about Pastor Pear? Have Pastor Pear. Have you seen his mullet from the 80s? I wish I could show it to you. It's really something, you guys. I mean, it casts its own shadow. Oh, there it is. Oh, my gosh. Now, that is fulfillment if I've ever seen it. I saw that on Facebook the other day. I was like, I got to show the people this. This is amazing. This is just amazing. That was amazing. Of course, he goes to, he would even say, you got to find your fulfillment in Jesus. We have a hole, if you will, in our hearts that only finds its fulfillment in Jesus. We are restless until we find our fulfillment in him. And it's true. What we get to do today is I want to I show you and open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin to look at the life of Jesus. But before we do it, I want you to open to Matthew chapter 1. And I want you to go back one page. When you go to Matthew chapter 1 and you go back one page, you have a page that looks like this. It is all blank on one side, and we have what's called the New Testament over here. The Bible is divided into two halves. The New Testament and the Old Testament, or the language I'm going to use today is we have the oldest testimony and the newest testimony. The oldest testimony we've been studying over the last number of weeks since January, and it tells a great story. It tells us the testimony of who humans really are, and they're trying to figure out who God really is. But when we get to the newest testimony, we can really see who God is. We can see who he is in the flesh. Oh, it changes everything. Now, just in case you've been in Florida over the last number of weeks, I want to recount the oldest testimony because it's going to make the fulfillment of the newest one and the fulfillment of Jesus come alive all the more. So let's check this out. What's the story of the first testimony? Well, it starts with God creating a great earth. In one, two, three, four, five, six days, on the seventh, he rests. Everything is good. We turn the page. There's a new beginning. And we decide as humans, you know what, God, we, we really don't want that. We want our own way. We turn our back on him. And we run and hide, but God comes to find us. And he takes away our shame, and he clothes us, and he says, I want to be with you. But something has happened. Sin has entered in now. We have fallen, if you will. And sin is a testimony, or is the story of the first testimony. They tell that story really well. Sin is that thing that separates us from God, or sin is that thing that separates us from one another. Even if you don't know what the name of it, you can feel it. You know what I mean? The whole world seems upside down at times because of sin. And it's the story of this first testimony, so much of it. Matter of fact, the two first kids in the Bible, two brothers, one kills the other. The one that stays alive, he goes and starts a civilization, and every civilization is built on stuff like that, like wars. Oh, the testimony tells it well. But God comes to various people and says, oh, there's going to be another way. There could be another way. And he comes to one guy named Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'd like to show you another way. I want you to go on a journey. Will you leave the city that you're in, and will you go on a journey with me? He says, where am I going to go? He says, I'll show you. He says, okay, I'll take the first step. I'll take the second step. And that's called living a life of faith. You take the first step even though you don't know where you're gonna end up because God has called and you think, yes, that's the hope. I'm gonna go with you. And God came to Abraham and said, I'm gonna give you a nation, not a nation that would be unto itself, but a nation that would bless the world. 
Abraham said, all right, I'll sign up for that. So he goes on the journey, and God does give him a nation. God gives him a son first. Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And then Jacob would have 12 sons, and now there really is a nation. The people of God meant to be a blessing to the whole earth. There's a nation. The whole nation winds up in Egypt. Starts out as a good thing, but you remember it turns to be a bad thing. Why? Because they get enslaved there. But God raises up Moses. You know, Moses comes and says the famous words, say them with me if you know them, let my people go. And they walk out of Egypt, free people, by the hand of God. Now they got to figure out as a nation, how are we going to do, do this? Moses goes to the top of the mountain. His face is, begins to shine like the sun. And God says, hey, buddy, here's 10 commandments. Give these to the people. It'll help you in your relationship with me. And it'll help you in your relationship with one another. Does it totally solve the sin problem? Not necessarily, but it goes a long way to help. Well, that's good. And so they begin to work this into their lives. First testimony tells it well. Wandering through the desert. And finally they get to this land where God's gonna show them. The promised land, if you will. And they're there at the Jordan River. And do you remember this part? There's a guy named Joshua raised up to go into the promised land. And that's where we learn that the battle is the Lord's. God gives him that land. You know, Joshua, you know, that's how we say his name in English, but you know how you say it in Hebrew? You say it. Yeshua. There at the Jordan, Yeshua crossed over and learned that the battle belongs to the Lord. That'll come up later. Check it out. From there, the remaining testimony is easy. It's simply this. There's judges. They did their best, but oftentimes they failed. There was kings. They did their best, but oftentimes they failed. Sometimes they just straight up did their worst, it seems. <laughs> but they ultimately failed. There were some good kings like David. Oh, he was the best, but he had a hard time too. There were some super wise kings like Solomon. He was maybe the greatest of them as far as wisdom, but a greater than Solomon would come. They did their best, but they failed. That nation would sometimes get enslaved and they would have to go to exile, like the Babylonian exile. We looked at that last week. But sometimes they would come back to that promised land. The whole time there were these prophets and the prophets would say two things. Hey guys, we gotta live with these commandments. Hey, we gotta get back to living in relationship with God and relationship with one another. Come on, get back to it, everybody. The second thing they would say is, there's one coming. There's one coming. And he's gonna rid the whole world of the sin problem. Oh, the thing that hurts you and has you hung up. Oh no, that's not gonna hang you up anymore. No, there's one coming. He will be the Messiah, the chosen one of God. And he is gonna save the world. And that's where we find ourselves today, right here in the story. There is 400 years of silence between the oldest testimony and the newest testimony. The newest testimony would change everything. The newest testimony would fulfill all that the law was trying to do, all that the prophets were trying to say. It would fulfill it all, and guess what? It would fulfill you and me too. 400 years of silence. I had a professor in college, um, some of you know I studied music, and he said this, the greatest music always begins with the greatest silence. And there was silence. But now we get to flip the page. Would you flip the page with me? What do you see next? You see something that looks like this. 
You see somebody's name, a guy named Matthew. Who is he? He's the one that God said, hey, in this newest testimony, when we get to share the news of Jesus Christ and what he has done and what he has accomplished and the hope that is to come, I'm picking Matthew. He's my guy. He's gonna tell you all about it. He's gonna tell you how Jesus fulfills it all. Who is Matthew? Matthew was a tax man. He was a CPA. That's really what he was. He was a CPA. The other thing we know about him is that he threw great parties. Now, do you think of your CPA as throwing great parties? Maybe you do. I don't know if I do, but maybe you, maybe you know, have a different CPA. I don't know, but he threw a great party. And it says that notorious sinners would come to those parties. And, and also, though, he would invite Jesus because he was notorious for good things. He was maybe the most intriguing of the town. At that time, Jesus was living in Caesarea, which is by the, by the lake. And Matthew, he had known the miracles of Jesus. He had heard the teachings of Jesus. He kind of knew about him, and he invited him to his parties. And one day, Jesus walked up to him at his CPA office, at his tax booth, and he said, hey, Matthew, follow me. And you know what Matthew did? He got up, and he followed Jesus. He would now hear those teachings firsthand. He would hear the way of love firsthand. He would see that ultimately that we would reject as humans that way of love. And we would take Jesus, very God himself, and we would nail him to a tree. We would murder him. But Matthew would see that love would not remain dead. Maybe one day, maybe two days, but on the third day, Love would rise. The spirit of God would come back into Jesus and Jesus would rise and he would conquer death, hell and the grave and sin forevermore. He would walk the earth, Jesus would for more than 40 days. He would talk to people like Matthew. And he would tell people like Matthew, the disciples, he would say, hey guys, listen, go tell the whole world. Go tell the whole world this good news. And so they would. And Jesus said, oh, I wanna be with each one of you as you do it, but I can't physically be with each one of you. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ascend to my Father in heaven and I'm gonna send you my spirit. There's coming a day where I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna set this whole world right. All that's wrong with it, I'm gonna set it right. There'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more war. All your hopes will be fulfilled. And Matthew believed it. But 40 years after Jesus had risen from the dead. Matthew writes this down for us, the tax man, the CPA, because he has a record of it. He wants to systematically show you how Jesus fulfilled all that the law and the prophets said and were trying to do. Jesus fulfills it all. Do you want to see how he does it? Let's check it out. If we were hanging out in a coffee shop, I'd just open my Bible and we'd walk through it. So I asked the production crew, can you put this on the screen? And they did for me. Super grateful for the production crew around here. You guys, this is how Matthew kicks it off. He says, this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. Now, I told you he's a CPA, and this proves it even right here. This is the what? Record. Here's the spreadsheet, everybody. Here's how it goes. Here's the Google Doc. You're gonna wanna be sure to look at this. This is the record. And he legitimately does. He writes out all the names that lead to Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, he comes out and says it. What is Messiah? Matthew doesn't want you just to think that Jesus is a good teacher. He doesn't just want you to think that he has miracles. He wants you to know that he is the Messiah. 
the chosen one of God, the one who's anointed, the one who all the prophets spoke of. And if you know the first testimony well, you'll know a lot of the things that the prophets said. And Matthew's about to say, Jesus fulfills them all. He's the chosen one. I like that. If you know that first testimony well, you'll know then that the Messiah was to be a descendant of David and of Abraham. And he was. He writes out all the long list here of all the names until Jesus. Every life here has a story. These are not perfect people. Matter of fact, most of them were very imperfect, famously imperfect. A lot of them were not rich. They were very poor, too. They struggled. They were resilient. A lot of times these stories, as you know, get to know them and read them, you would think what a pitiful story their life but there is hope in their life because of Jesus. Their life is fulfilled because of Jesus. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? The same is true for you and I. We try to fulfill our lives in so many different ways, but if we come to Jesus, our story can make sense. The low will not be taken for granted. The struggle will not be taken for granted because he will use it all for his glory. He will use it all for the good of all. Your story and my story can be fulfilled too in Jesus. This is good. Let's keep going on here. The, the, the CPA, he wants you to know a few numbers. Check this out right here in verse 17. He says, those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, 14 from the Babylonian exile to Messiah. What's going on? The CPA wants you to know about these numbers. Those that know the first testimony know well that the world was created in one, two, three, four, five, six days and on the seventh God rested. And what he's trying to say is then there is now a new beginning. So how many sevens do we have there? Well, we have the first 14, so that's one, two sevens. Then we have the next seven the next two sevens with another 14, so we have the third and the fourth, and now we have the five and the sixth. So now what's about to happen? Where is time? Where's the chronology of time leading us to? The seventh seven, the seventh new beginning, the most perfect of new beginnings, the seventh of the seven, and those that know that first testimony and know that creation would have had a huge light bulb moment. Something new is being created. Something new is happening on the earth. Something new is going to be created, even in you and me. They would have said, oh, thank you, CPA, for showing me that. So what's about to happen here? He goes on to say, oh, Jesus is born. That's the story. The angel comes, and he says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And the Holy Spirit is going to be a part of that. Do you remember in the first testimony when the world was created, how was it created? The Spirit was hovering over the deep, over the darkness. Right? And now the Holy Spirit again was hovering, not over the darkness of the waters, but over the darkness of the womb. And he was about to create the very flesh of God. God was coming to us physically in human form. And the Spirit is there to make it happen. The next thing we see down here is that Joseph is going to take on Mary. They're going to be husband and wife, and that he's a good man. Do you remember all that was created is good in the first testimony. Here, goodness shows up again. The very bottom of the page here, Matthew, he wants you to know this. You will conceive and have a son, and you'll name him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. That's the first thing Matthew says the Messiah is gonna do. He's gonna what? Save us from what? Come on, say it louder. He's gonna save us from what? That's right. We have a sin problem and he's gonna save us. And his name is Jesus. Do you know how you say Jesus in Hebrew? Yeshua. The first Yeshua, Joshua, stood at the Jordan River and led people into a new promised land. And now we have a Yeshua again. And he, this time, does not battle for geography. He, he battles, and the battle is the Lord's, and he wins the war on sin and saves us all, bringing us into a new day, into a new promised land. Do you see it? Let me check the next, uh, let's read the next page. Matthew says, all of this occurred to fulfill, that's our big word, to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. Now, just on this one page, he lists out six prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus' coming and in Jesus' birth. And we're going to walk through them. But did you know that Jesus fulfills over 350 prophecies? If you look over that first testimony and you see what was the Messiah supposed to be like, there's like 350 things. And Jesus, in the New Testament, fulfills them all. And you can see the record of it all. Amazing. And he launches it out by saying, oh yeah, God's coming to be one of us. God's coming to be human. That was foretold by Isaiah. For you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, we knew God was gonna be with us because the prophet said so. Jesus was born and they named him Jesus. Now in this section, we have the wise men from the east. They followed that star, remember? And when they got to Israel, they said, where's this new king? And they went to Herod to say, where's the new king? He was the king at the time. Of course, the new king wants to know, or the old king wants to know where the new king is, because why? <laughs> wants to crush him. The old king Herod says, I don't really know those prophecies so well. I don't really know that first testimony so well. Let's get the scribes. They'll know. The scribes say, oh yeah, the Messiah? He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Matthew points it out to us right here. O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come out of you who will be the shepherd for my people. That was said in Malachi. Or in Micah, excuse me, in Micah. So this, again, prophecy being fulfilled. So they go to Bethlehem, and guess who they find? Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And they bow down and they worship him and they give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Amazing. What happens next? An angel comes and says, Joseph, you gotta take the baby and go to Egypt because there's another prophecy that is fulfilled. Through the prophet Hosea says, I called my son out of Egypt. So Jesus, yeah, he's gonna be God with us. He's gonna be born in Bethlehem, but he goes to Egypt and God will eventually call him out. Why does he call him out? Because Herod finds out that, that the wise men didn't go back and tell him about this new king and where this new king was. And Herod is furious. And Herod has a sin problem too. And Herod goes and he says, you know what? If they're not going to tell me where this new king is, I know he's in Bethlehem and I'm going to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. And that's what he did. But Matthew says, oh, that was foretold by the prophets too right here. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Jeremiah said this would happen. This fulfills it all. Oh, yeah, this was going to happen. Keep going on. Now, all of a sudden, we have down here where the family is coming back out of Egypt, and they're going to settle now in Nazareth. And Matthew says, oh, this was part of the prophecies, too. This fulfills the prophecies, for he will be called a Nazarene, because he's going to live in Nazareth. 
Now Jesus is about ready. He's grown now, and he's about ready to launch his ministry. And so Matthew wants us to know this, that before Jesus launched his ministry, that there was one who prepared the way. His name was John the Baptist, but this was part of the prophecies too. There's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. That was in Isaiah. That fulfills the prophecies too. Are you seeing it? It's like all of time is coming together. The prophecy is being fulfilled. Let's flip the page. I want you to see the last thing here. That Jesus is about to be baptized and launch his ministry. And the thing we learn is the number two thing we learn about Jesus is that he will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He will baptize us in what? The Holy Spirit. Here we're talking about being fulfilled. But in this moment, we're talking about being filled full. You're going to be filled full of something. What is it? The Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Jesus is going to come into you. Those who believe and call on his name, Jesus will fulfill you. He will fill you up literally with himself. That's what he says is going to happen. And now at the Jordan River, Yeshua, Jesus, is about to go down in the waters of baptism. And what happens? A voice from heaven speaks out. And 400 years of silence is broken. The silence is broken with these words. This is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. The son of God. Jesus is God. Matthew wants you to know that all of the first testimony, all of the law and the prophets, Jesus fulfills it all. He wants you to know that your story and my story can be fulfilled in Jesus. It will find its meaning in Jesus. That's what he wants us to know. Jesus would later go on to say, hey guys, I didn't come to take away the law and the prophets. No, I came to fulfill it. Well, how does that work out? How, do we, how, do, how does that work out? Jesus would later, Matthew, CPA, he would tell us this story too. He says, oh, Jesus went on top of a mountain one day. And when he went on the mountain, his face began to shine like the sun. And two people just showed up not a vision, but they really showed up. And who were they? Moses and Elijah, the law and the great prophet. The law and the prophets now standing next to Jesus. And Peter speaks up. He says, hey, how about we make a memorial for each one of you? As if to place Jesus on the same plane as the law and the prophets. Now a cloud rolls in again. This time, it's not a dark cloud. It's a cloud of light because something's about to be illuminated. Something's about to have revelation. And the voice speaks again and says, this is my son who am I well pleased in. Listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill it. So we got to listen to him. So when he says to love our enemies, what do we do? Listen to him. When he says to believe in my name and the Holy Spirit will flood your life, what do we do? Listen to him and see what happens. There's coming a day where Jesus returns and he will wipe every tear from every eye. All our hopes, all of our dreams will be fulfilled in him. But where does it start? Recognizing him as God. Taking that step of faith and saying, I'll do what you say. What would it look like in our lives if we took that seriously over the next six weeks? What would it look like if you said, all right, Jesus, 
I don't know if I get it all. I don't know if I believe it all. But I will believe just enough to say, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the saving one. And I need saving. I come to you. Would you help me? Would you fulfill me? Would you fulfill my story? Would you fill my life with you? I've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds of times, and I've seen it in my own life. Our lives are filled with meaning. Our lives are filled with purpose. Our lives find out who we really are. It's a good day when that happens. It happens in a moment, and it happens in a lifetime. Can we pray together today? Heavenly Father, thank you for this greater story. And thank you for Jesus. We come to you, Lord, and we recognize you, Jesus, as the Messiah. Yeah, you fulfilled all the stuff. Thank you. But Lord, we need to be filled too. For all those who are believing on your name for the first time, I pray that you would see it, God. And I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. That day to day, Lord, that they would grow from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Lord, that you would fulfill our lives with great hope and great love for the world around us. We are so grateful, Jesus, for what you're doing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.